This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. As I come to teach tonight, I'll make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you. And therefore, I know without doubt that you will anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from our mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, to every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith, removing all fear. That you will enter every mind, bringing understanding, removing all confusion. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Now tonight... We're going to continue on from where I left off Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I spoke about the problem, the perfect storm, which actually is several problems all wrapped up in one, that is coming upon the entire earth starting, I believe, next year. Starting next year. And uh, three years ago, I heard the voice of God speak to me in my sleep, audibly, in my, well, not audibly, but loud in my spirit, in my sleep, and woke me up. And he said, five years of free worship left. Five years of free worship left. Now, I've pondered on what that could mean. Could it mean that the worldwide church of Jesus is going to go underground in another two years' time? Well, all the signs that I see, all the things happening in the natural, and all that I shared with you on, on Sunday morning, tell me it's very possible that that would happen. Very possible that that would happen. But it can Stop. We can't stop it. The church of Jesus Christ can stop it. See, God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll heal the land. That still stands today. That still stands today. However, it's going to involve the worldwide church in travailing intercessory prayer in the Holy Ghost. Get that to stop. It's not, you see, God judges nations individually, then He judges families individually, and then judges individuals individually. That's why Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that said, we can take the promised land, we can conquer the land, let's go in. They had the faith to do it. Joshua had the faith to stop the sun and the moon in the sky. 
right? They had the faith to go in and take it. But even so, Josh and Caleb had to wait 40 years before they could do it, for the nation was being judged. You got it? And they were caught up in the judgment of the nation. They had to go in the wilderness as a result of what they did and said, along with the Israelites, till they all died off. So here's the point. If the worldwide church steps up and unites together in prayer, we can stop this antichrist rampage to one world government. Incidentally, if you've got a cell phone on right now, power it down. Power it down. Power it down. That's the rule for this meeting, this series of meetings. No live streaming, no cell phones. Because I will say some things as we go along. Uh, we made a decision on Sunday morning, a vote. Do you want me to tell you the meat or just want me to water down what's going on? Okay, well then put the phones off. Now, if somebody doesn't want to put their phone off, you put your hand up until we take them out of the building. You got it? Because that goes for every, that goes for CFC Cape Town and it goes for CFC San Antonio right now. Because things are very serious. All right, so, but whatever the devil's doing, and he's on a rampage right now. And the Bible, as I showed you on Sunday, tells us about the rise of the Antichrist in the last days, and that he will rule the world as a one man, one world government. He will, eventually he will. Depends on us how soon, but he will, the Bible said he would. I'm not gonna do all that again, I did that on Sunday morning. And you need to see it if you haven't seen it, it's very important. However, God has answers to all of this, whether we're gonna be like Josh's and Caleb's and survive the worst that comes, or we're gonna be united as a church worldwide and push back the forces of darkness. So if we don't, if we don't unite as a church worldwide and push back the force of darkness, then we need to be ready to deal with it in our families and as individuals. And if we have to do that, we will overcome. But one thing you must understand, we will overcome, no doubt about it. One thing you must understand, as I go along, I'll explain everything. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not stop the church from growing. Not stop the church. And if you're in the church, and you are, in other words, if you're a believer in Christ, Satan's gates and roadblocks cannot stop you. That's the bottom line. They cannot stop you. You will not be able to. Provided you, provide, provided you apply the principles that God gives us in his word, which are solutions for such a time as this. The Bible has the answers that we need to survive and overcome in the coming days. And so tonight and, Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday, 
I'll be talking about the solution. The solution. Is if the worldwide church does not unite in prayer and we have to stand individually as families and individuals, as Christians. How do we handle that if that happens? If the worst comes, how do we cope? And that's what we need to know, right? So I'm talking about the solution Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Dr. Bev is talking, encouraging celebration messages tomorrow night, Tuesday, and on Thursday. Powerful messages she's got. I've read them. Now, there's two sides to this coin. The one side is the spiritual solution, using spiritual weapons, and the other side of the coin is a natural uh, side that we have to do in the natural. Things we have to do physically in order to build our ark and prepare ourselves for the coming storm. And we've got to understand what the game plan is so that we can unite together and work in harmony to overcome together. God will want us as Christians to work in unity. This is no time for strife and division. This is no time for this is my church, that's your church, don't talk to me. That stuff's gonna go out the window. We are just Christians now, do you understand that? And when we unite together and do what the Bible tells us to do, nothing will stop us. Nothing will stop us. We're gonna talk about this. This, what you're gonna hear tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday night and Friday night, is essential for the survival of you and your family. We got that? We're not playing games here, all right? All right, let's open our Bible now to Philippians chapter two, please. I'm gonna begin talking about our spiritual weapons. I'm gonna give you five spiritual weapons and then I'm gonna go on to what we do in the natural. I encourage you to take notes, write them down because there is no broadcast, there's no viewing on demand, none of that. This is it right here. Take notes, unless you've got a phenomenal memory. Okay, Philippians chapter two, verse eight, New King James. The first weapon we're going to look at that we've got, which is extremely important, is the name of Jesus. We have got to, we've got to saturate our spirit and our soul with the understanding of what it means to have the name of Jesus available to us. Because this puts you in a total victorious position, all right? So please don't forget what you're gonna hear tonight. Philippians 2 verse eight. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now in the above scripture, we see that Jesus earned 
this great name by conquest. Jesus conquered death, Satan, sin, sickness, and poverty as a man for humanity. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 1, verse 4. Hebrews 1, verse 4. Jesus Christ has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than the angels. Jesus Christ has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than the angels. So we see that Jesus earned that great name, but here he inherited it. It appears then that there was a name kept in store from eternity past for someone who had come along to inherit it or qualify to earn it. And that someone is our Lord. Did Jesus ever pray to the Father and say, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ to do this for me? I'm asking you. Is there any place in the Bible where Jesus prayed to God and said, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to do this for me? Why not? Never used his name. Did Jesus ever say to a demon, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus Christ? Did he ever say that to a demon? I command you to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus, did Jesus ever say that? So why is that? Why is it that he's never used his own name, this great name that he received, and he's never used it? That seems a little strange, doesn't it? Not? The truth is, Jesus received this great name for the purpose of giving it to the church. So his name would take his place on the earth today. His name takes his place on the earth today. When you mention the name of Jesus, Jesus is there. He's there at the sound of his name. Because he's in his name. Jesus is present in his name. The Lord Jesus gives us authority to use his name to accomplish his purpose in the earth on his behalf. Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. Say, that's talking about me. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they'll speak in new tongues. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick. You see, Satan has power, but he has no authority to use the power against us. Even the unsaved have some grace over their lives. Otherwise, Satan would be able to kill them at any time he wanted to. However, once the unsaved totally reject God after repeatedly calling him or her to salvation, God's grace might lift eventually and they might end up with a reprobate mind. That's dangerous ground because the enemy then can attack them at will. He might even kill them or use them for his own purpose. Now, the problems that people are facing are not going away because they're waiting for God to chase their problems or deal with their problems. God is not going to chase the devil from you or from me. Jesus gave us his name for you to chase the devil away from you. 
Whatever you command in my name, I will do it. Jesus said, my name, they will cast out demons. He didn't say God will chase the demon. Now, Jesus and the church are one man. He's the head with a body. We collectively, worldwide, are the body of Christ. He is the head, we are the body. And because we are the body, we share that name equally with the head. We have, we have received that name and own it equally with the head. We have inherited all that God gave to Jesus, Romans 8, I believe it's verse 16. If Jesus and the church are one, then his name belongs to us as much as it belongs to him. Romans 6, 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So that I have been baptized into Christ Jesus. Now, the word baptized means to be immersed into. Somebody going under the water, immersed into. So as you are baptized into water, so you are baptized or immersed into Christ. So that I am baptized into Christ. Just like you in the water become one in the water of baptism, so you and Christ have become one. That happened when you accepted Christ as your Savior and got born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Said that, I am in Christ. Again, I am in Christ. Ephesians 1, 22. And God put all things under, under Jesus Christ's feet. And gave Jesus Christ to be head over all things to the church. So if all things are under Jesus Christ's feet, and you are in the body of Christ, then all things are under your feet. So that all things are under my feet, because I'm in Christ. That means you have total authority. Verse 23 which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So say this, Christ fills his body. So not only am I in Christ, but Christ is in me, right? Now say this, please. Christ is the head. We are the body of one person. The body of Christ, which is the church, is the fullness of Christ. This is why folks who talk about racism or, and they claim to be Christians are totally ignorant of the Bible because there can't be any race in Christianity. There is no race because there's no male, there's no female in the Bible, no male, no female, no Jew, nor Gentile. We're all one in Christ. There's only one body and you and I are all in that one body. So when God looks down from heaven, he sees two people, Christ, he sees two groups, Christ, okay, and the unsaved, the living and the dead. Doesn't see 
racism amongst his people. It doesn't exist. Can't. If a person thinks like that, then he doesn't understand what God has done. The church reveals Christ's character. The church reveals Christ's nature. The church reveals Christ's love. It reveals his power and his works. Therefore, Christ is alive through his body, the church. Say that Christ is alive through the church. Ephesians 1, 22. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and God gave Christ this authority for the benefit of the church. All right, we see that New Living Translation. So God put all things under the authority of Christ, and God gave Christ this authority for your benefit. For your benefit. Isn't that amazing? Christ won all that for you and me. And the church is his body. It is filled with Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Now let's continue to prove from the word of God that Jesus and the church are one. All right, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Jesus and the church are one. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. All right, the Bible said do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The same verse in the New Living Translation says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Any farmer will tell you that if you yoke a strong ox and a weak ox together, then they'll pull a plow around in circles and you'll go nowhere. They won't go in a, strong li a straight line. A strong ox and a weak ox can't plow together. Okay, God is saying, don't enter into contracts with unbelievers in business partnerships. Don't enter into contracts with unbelievers in business partnerships. And don't marry somebody who's not a Christian. Because you will have problems with your father-in-law. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Still in 2 Corinthians verse 6, verse 14. Still there, same verse. For what fellowship? He said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? So God said, what, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? So notice here, God's calling the church righteousness. And he's calling the unbeliever lawless. That's who they are, the lawless people. God calls the church righteous because 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For God made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that I have been given God's righteousness as a gift when I accepted Christ as Savior. So God looks at me and he says, you are righteous in my eyes, without sin. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1, 30, but of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness. So say this, if you want to know, again, if you want to know how righteous I am, 
Look at Jesus, for he is my righteousness. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. Christ is our righteousness. So when you come to the Father, you say, Father, come to you in the righteousness of Christ, my Lord. He is my righteousness. Amen. Now we're still in 2 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 14. It goes on to say, still talking about, you know, being bonded with unbelievers. He says, what communion then has light with darkness? Has light with darkness. So notice God calls the church light and he calls the unsaved darkness. Why is that? Because Matthew 5, 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Amen. Say that. We are the light of the world. So God is comparing the born-again Christian with the unsaved in each situation. Now, we're still in that chapter, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15 now. And what accord has Christ with Belial? And what agreement? The Phillips translation says, how can there be harmony between Christ and the devil? So here God calls the church Christ, and he calls the unsaved Satan. Imagine that. So God actually, in the Bible, calls the church Christ. That's who we are. We're one man with him. See, 1 John 5, 19 tells us that the unsaved are under the power and control of Satan. That's 1 John 5, 19. It tells us that the unsaved are under the power and control of Satan. 1 John 5, 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that Satan works in the unsaved. He works in the unsaved. That's what the Bible calls the unsaved Satan and why he calls the Christian Christ. Christ lives in the church and manifests himself through the church. Say so that Christ lives in me and lives his life through me. All right. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul said, I no longer live. You see, he gave his life on the cross with Christ, being crucified with Christ. He gave his life to Christ when he got saved. Right? I give you my life, Lord. So therefore, he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this Christ is living his life through me. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. So that I am the body of Christ. See, we need to renew our mind to who we are, right? That's what we're doing here. We're washing our brains. You need to go to church to have your brains washed. Amen? Years ago, they told me, don't go to that church because, you know, that pastor will, wash, will brainwash you. So I thought about that. That's exactly right. I want to brainwash you with the Word of God. Wash your brains from all the negative thinking. 2 Corinthians 6.15. Now we're back in 2 Corinthians 6, right? Well, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So you're called the temple of God, you're called a believer, the unsaved are called idols. 
For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Say, God dwells in me, and he walks in me. I am his temple. Now, this is further proof that the church and Christ on earth today are one. And that the church is Christ on earth today. Say that the church of Jesus is Christ on the earth today. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. I'm using the NIV translation here. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Christ, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual Adam did not come first, but the natural Adam came first. And after that, the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was of the dust of the earth. The second man, Christ, the second Adam, Christ, is from heaven. As was the earthly man, Adam, so are those who are of the earth. You were an exact duplicate of the first Adam. And as is the heavenly man, Christ, so also are those who are of heaven, that's the body of Christ. So say this, as I am a duplicate of the earthly Adam, so I am also a duplicate of the heavenly Adam. Verse 49. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Adam, so shall we bear the likeness of the heavenly man, Adam. So say this, exactly like I am a duplicate, a descendant of the first Adam. I'm exactly the same. I'm a duplicate, a descendant of the second Adam. So exactly as you look like the first Adam and are like the first Adam, that's exactly as you are with regards to the second Adam. You're an exact duplicate, just like Christ. Just like Adam, yes, you are. Just like Christ, yes, you are. Now, you don't see that. You see your faults and failings. I understand that. But God doesn't see that. God sees you the way he made you and the way he called you right there. God said that about you, and that's what he sees. So we have to change our thinking and start agreeing with that and confessing that's who I am. And then when you do that, you will grow into that. You'll grow into it. Add your faith to what God said. You see, Abraham could not have Isaac until he started confessing, I am the father of many nations. See, God told him when he was 75 years old, when he showed him the stars and the sand, said, that's how many children you're gonna have. Abraham believed. He believed and was declared righteous. But Isaac never came along. Then when he turned 99 years old, God came to him and said, now, Abraham, you believe, but you're not confessing your faith into existence. I want you to start confessing that you are 
the father of many nations. I'm changing your name. Instead of your name being Abram, it's now Abraham. In Hebrew, Abraham in English is father of many nations. So he gave him the name father of many nations in the Hebrew language. So wherever he went, he confessed, I am the father of many nations. When he said, my name is Abraham, he's saying, I'm the father of many nations. So he started saying that at 99 years old. Three months later, Sarah fell pregnant. And Isaac was born. But he said to God, my body's dead. It's not working. You know what he means by that, right? And Sarah's room is dead. Her womb is not working. God said, I oh, know. I want you. I want you to have Isaac out of your dead bodies. I want you to have Isaac from your dead bodies. Then I'm going to get all the glory for this. See, God got himself a son through Abraham. Wasn't Abraham by works, was Abraham by faith. And now you and I need to start confessing, just like Abraham what God says about us. God couldn't help Abraham. And so he started saying what God said about him. You are the father of nations. And so he started saying that faith rose and came to pass. So as much as God wanted a human race on the earth to live in heaven with him for all, all eternity, coming through the seed of Abraham to bring Jesus, as much as God wanted that, he could not change his laws. He needed faith to operate. So don't think you're being humble by not confessing what God says about you. You're being stupid. Being stupid, right? If Abraham said, well, I'm just too humble to say I'm the father of any nations, you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. And that's not humility at all. Amen? All right. Now, when we were born into the planet, we became a descendant of the first Adam. The moment we were born again, we became a descendant of the second Adam. A descendant of Jesus Christ. We are a new creation. So that I'm a new creation, a new species of being. I'm God indwelt on the earth. I'm a new creation. As we were an, an exact duplicate of the first Adam, so we shall also be, so we are an exact duplicate of the second. Now go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. So this is a description of Christ. What is that? That we are many parts making up one body. Who's Christ? Christ is the church made up of many parts as one body. That's what this is telling us. So it is with Christ. In other words, Christ is the body with many parts. Say that. I am in the body, therefore, I'm part of Christ, 
and I am equal with Christ because he gave me all that he inherited. Now, don't go around saying I'm Jesus Christ because that's not right. Now, this verse tells us that Christ is made up of many individuals, okay? 1 John 4, 17 says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. Say that, as Christ is, so am I in this world. Can you see all these scriptures that tell us who we are? The same verse in the Philips translation says, for we realize that our life in this world is actually his life lived in us. You see, when the Bible says, as Christ is, so are we in this world, it's saying that Christ is living out his life, his nature, his character, his power, everything about him is living it all out through you, if we'll let him. You can't live a godly life in your strength. You can't live a godly life in your strength. That's like asking the fox to look after the chickens when you go to town. Say this, Father, I thank you for your grace to live godly and holy. You are keeping me holy. You are keeping me in your will. And I am living like you by your strength. See, that's the way we do that. It's a walk of faith. Now, the church is a reflection of Christ. Christ and the church are one. Therefore, the church owns the name of Jesus. So that if Christ and the church are one, then the church owns the name of Jesus. So that name belongs to me. All right, now go to Acts chapter 9 and verse 32. Acts 9, 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydia. There found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed, then he arose immediately. Peter never prayed for him. Peter never laid hands on him. Peter just simply said, Jesus the Christ heals you. Make your bed. So all who dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now notice the following, and let's say it together. Say, Peter used the name of Jesus Christ. It was Peter's name to use. Jesus Christ was present in his name. When Peter used the name of Jesus, Jesus revealed himself, was manifest. Say this, Jesus Christ and the church are one. You can see that right there. Right there. Can we see that Peter was Jesus Christ to Aeneas on that day? 
Say that. Peter was Jesus Christ to Aeneas on that day. Can you see that? Now, say this. To the sick, we are Christ bringing healing. To the oppressed, we are Christ bringing deliverance. To the suffering, we are Christ bringing relief. To the sorrowful, we are Christ bringing joy. To the lonely, we are Christ bringing comfort. To the lost, we are Christ bringing salvation. We are Christ to this lost world. Now, none of this could happen. None of this could be done without the all-powerful, marvelous, wonderful name of Jesus. And when Jesus Christ inherited the name above all names, we inherited that name at the same time. When he received that name and his greatness, it was the church that received it at the same time. Only God could think up such a plan, so awesome, and bring it to pass. Only God. Only God could put that in the Word and make it real and available to us. It's His plan. It has to be. It's the Father's plan. We as people need to understand the weapon we have in the name of Jesus. When circumstances come our way, sent by the devil and the Antichrist and the world system, we can stand our ground and use the name of Jesus. No matter what storms come our way, we can whisper that name. And in whispering that name, Jesus is there and takes charge. Jesus is there and takes charge. Understand, no matter what comes your way, whether it's a financial lack, danger, a threat on your life, whatever it might be, if you whisper the name of Jesus, our command in the name of Jesus, that God takes care of this right now. Jesus will reveal his power and his glory for you immediately because he's in his name. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am what? There. Why? Because we gathered in his name. See that? We gathered in his name. That's why he's there. Then he said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Because you gathered in his name and you speak in his name and you bind and loose. It's the authority in that name that puts you over, that Christ won for you. You don't have to win that authority. You don't have to do anything to gain that authority. It's your inheritance when you accepted Christ as your savior, it's your name. You're called by that name. It's done. God said that's who you are. That's your name. 
Use your name. Understand it belongs to you. No one else. It's not belong to the devil. It belongs to the church. Amen. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. The word flee means run as in terror. Run as in terror. Now there are five weapons I want to talk about and all the natural things we're going to attend to. But it's vitally important that you understand these spiritual weapons like the name of Jesus. So don't miss Wednesday night as we continue our subject. Amen. Can we stand Worship team, let's sing a song. Can we take this out the way, please, the pulpit? Remove it, please, somebody. Just stand. The service is not over. God's going to move mightily right now. God is going to move mightily right now by His Spirit among us. He's going to move in, He's going to move in San Antonio. He's going to move in Cape Town right now. Don't leave. God is here. Just, just close your eyes, please, family. Just close your eyes. Let the music play this beautiful tune that we just sung. Just close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. God's presence is so rich here tonight. So rich. He's in San Antonio. He's in Cape Town. He's here right now. Two or three gathered in my name. There I am. Jesus, I sense right now He's healing hurting hearts. He's healing hurting hearts. I sense God's love for His people right now. I sense He's healing hurting hearts. People that have been mistreated and wronged God's healing right now. He's pouring out His love upon you, restoring your heart, your soul, your mind. He's restoring you. He is the great restorer, the great restorer. He's the great healer. He's healing broken hearts. Those who have been wounded and offended. He's touching you. Fixing you right now. In San Antonio and Cape Town as well. Right now, God is moving. Loving His children. Loving, loving His children. You've been through difficulties. You've been through challenges. You felt like the mountain's too high to climb. You felt like your mountain was too high to climb. God is giving you strength right now. God is encouraging your heart right now. He's telling you, I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to climb that mountain for you. I'm taking charge for you right now right now I'm your God and I love you I'm restoring all things that the devil has stolen God says he's restoring what the devil has stolen 
He sees what the devil has done. And he wants to honor his children. He wants to bless his children, protect his children, provide for his children. God is pouring out his spirit. Just keep your eyes closed, family. Keep your eyes closed. God is ministering right now to you. Ministering to you right now. Touching hearts and lives. Refreshing you. Refreshing you. Strengthening you. Encouraging you right now. You didn't know which way to go. You didn't know which way to turn. You couldn't cope. You just could not cope. God says, I'm strengthening you right now. I'm refreshing you right now. I'm going to do it. Give it to me. I'm doing it for you. Give it to me. Cast that care at my feet. Cast that care at my feet. Maybe you feel like you've sinned. Maybe you feel like you've messed up. God knows that. And you ask Him to forgive you, He does. Right now. He washes you clean with His blood. Restores you. Right now. He's the restorer. And He wants to put you back where you belong. He wants to put you back where you belong. wants to use you for his glory the time is not done the devil is a liar the devil is a liar no matter what comes down the road God is more than enough to meet that challenge and he's on your side he is with you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you Each and every one of us are extremely valuable to Him. Extremely valuable to Him. We can speak the name of Jesus. We can speak that name that brings healing, brings peace, brings freedom speak that name because it's our name it's our name to use you have two names you have a name that your mother gave you and you have a name that your heavenly father gave you it's the name of Jesus yes it's your name sense the Spirit of the Lord descending upon you right now. The glory is here. The cloud of God's presence is here.
cloud of God's presence is here. His glory is in the house. The awesome holiness of God. Father God, fill them with your joy. Fill them with your joy right now. Fill them with your joy right now. Here in Johannesburg, in San Antonio, in Cape Town. Fill them with your joy right now in the name of Jesus. Let your joy bubble forth in the hearts of your children. Name of Jesus.
Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Thank you. How many would say, Dr. Thea, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going. Can you help me? I'm just lost. I need the assurance of my salvation. Can you help me, please? I want this wonderful life with Jesus. He wants you to have it right now. So when I count to three, if you'll slip your hand up, I'll pray a little prayer for you and God will speak to your heart and tell you that He forgives you, He loves you, and you are His child. Just that simple. Okay? When I count to three, if you'll slip your hand up, I'll pray for you and God will speak to your heart. That's what you want. If you want that assurance. I'm counting. You'd ready to put your hand up. Here we go. One. This is also for San Antonio and Cape Town. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands raised. Keep those hands raised. Now somebody from the church, whether they are a worker or not, they're going to put their hand on your shoulder to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. Okay? I invite everybody to say a little prayer with me, especially those who've got their hands up. Also in San Antonio and Cape Town, say a little prayer with me right now. Here we go. Dear God, we can do better than that. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save my life. Today I declare Jesus is the Lord of my life and I will live for Jesus with all of my heart till I see him on that wonderful day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, forgiving me, accepting me as God's child. And now I'm bound for heaven. Heaven is my eternal home. I'm a child of God. Praise God. Congratulations. And now... Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.